There are so many companies right now that have created genuinely valuable tools for songwriters and artists that it's almost overwhelming. Today, we highlight three of the best and talk in depth about what artists can learn about running their businesses from these tools. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, MerchTable partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit MerchTable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's episode, we talk about Jamber, AdRev, and SongTrust, and how they help artists run their small businesses every day. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for the future of what comes from SoundExchange, which provides royalty solutions and advocacy to ensure all music creators are paid what they are owed. You're listening to the future of what? I'm talking to Marcus Cobb of Jamber. Marcus, welcome to the future of what? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. That's cool. I'm excited too. So I have this theme going this year on this program, which is the fact that technology and music have finally seemed to catch up with each other and created partnerships that make sense. In other words, there's now all these amazing startups and companies that have used tech in a way that's so, so beneficial for the industry instead of you know how it was like 10 years ago where everybody was like, here's a crazy app that you totally don't need that does nothing for you. (laughs) Yes, that's still true. (laughs) Yeah. So Jamber is one of these companies that is just doing something that I think is so amazing. So can you just give us a little overview of what Jamber does? Yeah, I appreciate that. So Jamber, at the end of the day, our entire being, what we do is get creators paid, you get them paid faster. And within that, also get them credit for their work, which sounds so simple on the surface, but it's... (laughs) So hard, (laughs) so you know, so challenging, and frankly, without technology, we would not be able to do what we do. Right, absolutely. So you guys have a couple of products. One is called Splits, yes, and one is called Money. And I love it that you have really simple titles. I think that's that's awesome (laughs) because you know, you know, sometimes people go overboard with uh, you know multiple words. Like this is very simple. So let's talk about Splits first because what it does is really cool. Yeah, thank you. Splits was a bit of a gamble. We like to start with the most difficult problems first at Jamber. A lot of us have been in product for a long time and design for a long time. And anyone who's been in the industry knows that there's kind of this broad thought. Splits are really important because number one, songs are you know intellectual property, right? They're copyright. Mm-hmm. And so even though the song is beautiful and it evokes emotion for all of us, at the end of the day, there's lots of laws and it's really important to know who wrote the song what their real name is, not just their artist's name, you know, what the date it was created, all these different details that are super important to getting paid. Because if you don't have those details, you can't really register your song at the places you need to. A lot of us don't think about it, but in the industry we know, you know, Spotify is not paying artists directly or YouTube in many cases. They're paying various collection agencies and clearinghouses who then send the money to the creatives, which means that how accurate your information is on that song has a direct impact on how much you're paid and how quickly you're paid. So we knew this. This has been a long Big, long time, big challenge in the music industry because generally creatives are slow to be compliant. 
they're slow to, you know, fill out these long forms and get into these really boring, mundane details and it's affecting their, their wallets. So we wanted to challenge, is it really that creatives can't be compliant or is it a design problem? Is it that we're giving them Excel spreadsheets that don't really work the way they work? And can we give them a better experience? Can we make it as simple as possible? It's kind of an unsexy parallel, but I, I, I was inspired almost by TurboTax for those of us that have used that in the past. You know? Smart. Uh, yeah. Doing your tax, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how we're looking at this. Like doing your taxes sucks, but you know, TurboTax is a software that just asks you very simple questions and maximizes your return for a few bucks, you know, and that's how we're looking at what we can do with splits. I love it. I'm glad you used the word sexy because really what we're talking about here is capturing metadata, which has to be the most like sexy, not sexy topic of all time. Because it's like totally <laughs> so not sexy, right? So but at sexy. the same time, everybody's talking about it. And it's so important. I mean, I was an artist. I was an abandoned. I mean, I remember vaguely the recording process. I couldn't tell you the name of the studio or who the guy was who engineered it. Absolutely. And that was 25 years ago. I have no idea. Right. So, no idea. And, you know, that's how that goes. And, you know, some people have great memories and congratulations to them. But the rest (laughs) of us, you know, we go through life and we don't necessarily remember every detail. But I love the idea of making it easier, just putting it in their hand, putting it in their phone, making it easy to do. On the surface, you know, it, it was such a simple use case. And when we first did this, okay. Here's the use case. Let's just capture the percentage of a song. So all we need is the song title and then the percentages for, let's say, four people on the song and their real names. That's it on paper. But in reality, ownership is so nuanced. And the example I give people all the time is when you go with a large party of friends to dinner and no one's really decided who's going to pay the check. (laughs) (laughs) And that moment when the check comes at the end of the night and, you know, there's this moment of awkwardness it's either it goes one of three ways. There's the person always pays and they just take the check, right? There's the person that's like administrator, like, nope, we're going to split this equally. Let me see the receipt. Hey, you ordered the fish, <laughs> you ordered the steak, you all, you know, and then there's the times where it just kind of sits there for a while and two people go to the bathroom. But that, that's just a very emotional response of, of what money can do or obligation can do, even in a family environment. And that's what songwriters and producers go through almost every time they write a song. So how do you design out that awkwardness? And it was because of that, it's... It took us two years to build a very overly simple splits app because of those nuances and all the emotion involved in the conversation. And we had to measure every iteration we did, about 390, almost 400 iterations, where we would create a new app, test it with users, and then look at every analytics, how they felt, you know, feedback forms. And if it didn't pass muster, we would start all over again. And we did about two to three versions of the app every week for almost a year and a half. Wow. You guys are amazing. This is probably the first time I've ever had anyone talk to me about creating an app and measuring people's emotional reaction to using it. Cause that is so true. Like there is so much emotion around creating a song, writing a song, putting a song on tape, you know, having that experience that most people are not at all prepared to, you know, be like, okay, guys, now who played saxophone last Wednesday? Right. That's amazing. What a cool idea. That's what we're trying to do. Our, our, I think our whole thesis is trying to, you know, we're all fish in the water. We are, as people, emotive beings. We're emotional people. Everything we do is experiential. We have these five plus senses that are constantly feeding our mind and our soul. So it's so innate that we don't even think about it. 
when we're cold, we just put a jacket on. We're always in an experiential place. And as people, we tend to go away from uncomfortable experiences. It's just who we are. So we don't think about it as a science of how we can really improve that experience sometimes when it comes to technology. Sometimes technologists, when we build it, we just expect people to use it as is. Mm-hmm. And as a result, technology can be very opinionated. It can be very rigid. You know, It can be very just overly techy. And if you throw that, like an Excel spreadsheet at creatives, the spreadsheet has zero emotion, right? It's got zero emotional journey to it. It's got zero empathy. It doesn't care if you know what a VLOOKUP is or not. It just, it's how it works. Right. <laughs> so that lack of empathy is really what creatives are rejecting kind of subconsciously. And so when they touch an experience that seems to understand them, they embrace it pretty well. And that's what we're experiencing at Jamper. So people are using it and you're definitely finding that in your experiential data? Absolutely. And we haven't arrived by any means, but it's our fastest growing app ever. And not only that, people are actually using it daily. They're creating song proposals on, on splits and percentages. I think I saw the last stat was the average is eight for our top users, eight times a day that they're doing this, which is extraordinary. And what happened is, is it created a bit of a paradigm shift. It went from this awkward conversation to this cool app you should see. Here's how it does splits. And the emotional drag of of talking about ownership fell to the floor. Mm. It's more like this is a transparent tool we can all use. And that essence of transparency lifted the burden of is this okay? Is this right? Am I doing the right thing? It just took that it took that away entirely in a way that we did not expect it. It surpassed our expectations. So now with that, we took a gamble on taking this really difficult problem around splits first and seeing if we can get creatives to be compliant faster, which is good for the entire industry. And design started paying off. We saw the needle move over and over again. And when we put it live, not only was there broad user adoption across the space, we started getting emails and tweets and Instagram messages from users thanking us for this app existing, which I've never experienced before. Wow. And also you're doing a service just by naming it Splits because you're actually teaching, you know, you're giving them vocabulary because Splits, it's a real term in the the industry. People need to know what that means. It's a real term. That's right. Yeah. And so now they do. And, but apparently they also think it's fun, which is amazing. They think it's fun and we're going to make it more fun. I think, you know, we already, the versions that are out there in the app store now, and it's also a free app, which is really important. You know, one of the things we had to do was look at the fact that music is so ad hoc and fluid and chaotic in a beautiful way. Some of our users are on Apple. Some of them are on Android. Some of them don't use mobile devices at all. Some are in Sweden. Some are in Nashville. And some speak Spanish. Some speak French, right? So we, to really create an app that would meet the majority of top earners where they're at, we had to embrace that entire ecosystem, which again is really ambitious for a small startup. So Splits is free. It's on iOS. It's on Android. It's in Spanish, English, and French out of the gate for our version one. And we're going to continue to evolve that because the only way as an industry we're going to really scale is to meet creators where they're at. And I think the only way to do that is with design and technology. Wow. Well, I think that's incredible. Let's quickly move on to your next product, Money. Tell us about what that does. This is one of my favorite products. (laughs) I really can't wait to show the next version of it. So there's a mini version of money that's built into the Splits app. This was history. We got really lucky. You can tell my voice is speeding up. That's how excited I am about this product. (laughs) But we got really lucky. Uh, At the very near end of us building Splits, we showcased Splits at Music Biz 2019 on these really big iPhone kind of devices. And one of the people in attendance there was Dave Bogan from Tune Registry. 
and he saw splits. He saw our vision for this cohesive suite. And about a month later, two months later, he emailed me and said, "Hey, I'm looking to sell team registry. If you guys are interested, I want to I want to join the Jamboree ecosystem." And while we weren't in any position to buy a company at that point in time, we're like, you know, we got to make this happen. This is a great partnership. It's a great fit. And they, together, team registry coming with Jamboree splits, we made history because money is basically the ability to capture your splits. It validates everything for you, and then it registers your song simultaneously across all the entities that Tune Registry supports, like ASCAP, BMI, Sound Exchange, SoCan, CSAC, and then collects your royalties for you. And what's unique about this is because we're capturing splits up front, which improves the accuracy, we can lower the admin fee. So you can just register your songs if you don't want us to collect royalties for you for only 50 cents per song. So that is, I think, unheard of. I don't know anyone else that can do that today. Again, thanks to the Tune Registry acquisition. And then secondarily, Jamber Money can import billions and billions of transactions and create a single dashboard of all your revenue sources in one place. And there are some cool companies out there that do that today, but they're either publishers or owned by publishers. And this is the first time that this royalty dashboard administration platform is going to be available to the masses. So we're, we're really excited about that. Yeah, no, that's really amazing. And, you know, I mean, we talk about this all the time in the music industry, but it's always really difficult because almost everybody has their own proprietary system. So we're all facing the challenge of, you know, importing billions of lines of data just to get, you know, your two and a half cents or whatever for the month from some specific DSP. Right. But this is amazing. This is one of the, the, the secrets of it. Yeah, exactly. And this is it. So to be able to bring this to a public facing app where people can really see this in real time, it's very impressive. I was surprised, you know, the music industry has a way of absorbing pain pretty well like <laughs> the back office they don't they don't complain very much and i know that there are people that would disagree with me on that but generally speaking they just deal with it you know uh, administrators copyright admins AR admins they absorb a lot of the pain that comes between the polarizing energies of music and business mm-hmm. right the left brain and the right brain that intersection most often is with administrators who try to bridge that gap and i think a lot of ways they're unsung heroes in that way but one of the secrets, one of the pains that no one complained about as loudly as they should have is that streaming broke Microsoft Excel, <laughs> to your point, right? <laughs> exactly. we, we used to like be able to open these realtor reports because they only had <laughs> maybe 10,000 rows, maybe 100,000 rows. Yeah. Now there are millions and millions of rows yeah. for 12 cents, you know, <sighs> and, and people have had to build their own databases or things they should never have to do. So when we built money, we had that in mind from the beginning that it had to be a big data platform, which is something that just means that we can import billions and billions and billions of rows for anyone in a matter of seconds. We also had to use some machine learning so that we could match song titles, the works and the recordings for people so they can see the whole aspect of a song. They can see what it's doing on the publishing side and they can see what it's doing on the streaming side, for example. Uh, These are really complicated technologies that when put in one place, empower writers, publishers, administrators to just really get a hold of their catalog. And then finally, the ability to send out the payments directly from Jamber Money. So if I'm just one guy working with a team of four people, I can pay my four people through the Splits app and the money will go right into the bank account. If I'm an administrator working with 20 artists, I can do that also through the money platform. And it's, it's again, goes back to that vertical integration, bringing some really cool, distinct parts together into one experience and making it as simple as possible. It's amazing because even, you know, I ran a record label for 13 years and every quarter I have to pay out 472 payees. Yes. 
So, you know, the thought of being able to do that in a way that's all in one place, super easy, <laughs> just a few pushes of a button. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing, I got to tell you. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of seeing a pattern of Merchant Jamber, right? Where there are companies out there, great companies that handle payouts. There are companies out there that handle royalty calculations and do dashboards, royalty administration. But there's no single platform that does all of that in one place, even though as users, that's how we do it. Right? We're looking to get all the money in, do all the roads calculations, and send that money out in one flow. And before Jamber Money, that wasn't really possible unless you were going to spend a lot of money on some of these really big platforms. So to offer it for free and or for a really small transaction fee, I think that's I think it's a game changer. That is amazing. Well, Marcus Cobb from Jamber, you have really told us what we need to know today. So thanks so <laughs> much for being with me on The Future of What. Portia, thank you so much. was Punk Pop Travesty by Lungleg. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Noah Becker of AdRev. Noah, welcome to The Future of What. Thanks for having me, Portia. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. So I think probably the best place to start is to just have you give a little overview of what AdRev does, because AdRev actually does a lot of stuff. Yeah, sure. So we're a digital rights management service provider and technology provider. We help rights holders monetize and protect their copyrights on YouTube predominantly, but burgeoning platforms as well. And then we also do a lot of custom technology builds for reconciliation data work for various trade organizations like the NMPA and things like that. So when they have specific data rec needs or want research into specific issues on specific platforms, things like that, all sort of falls under our service offering. We can slice and dice our different services, kind of custom tailor an offering for a you know creative stakeholder of any shape or size, be that, you know, a DIY producer or a, you know, an enterprise level rights holder like 21st Century Fox Music Publishing. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty broad range of clients. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the focus of this episode that I'm doing today is sort of tools that are out there for songwriters and artists in particular, because I feel like the theme for 2020 is you are your own business. So I think that's something that pretty much every artist is having to face up to at this point. I guess it's double, it's like a double theme, right? It's you are your own business and... There's so many income streams out there that you need to get on top of 
that you actually don't have much of a choice. Like it's not like the old days where you just got paid for record sales and then maybe made money on tour. Yeah, that's something that I preach a lot too. You know, it's really important for independent artists to seek out the right partners for various income streams and and that just selecting one might not be to your advantage. Sometimes it it may be, sometimes not. And, you know, different services and different providers are have their own strengths and weaknesses and feeling that out is incredibly important to maximizing your income streams. Totally. And I feel like sometimes the terminology gets in the way because it's like, you know, digital rights management sounds really scary (laughs) if you don't even know that you have any rights, you know? Right. I was just going to say, I have this sort of ever growing scope and vision of what DRM really means. You know, I think it sounds like a nerdy technical word. And, you know, in many ways, DRM certainly is highly technical and really focused on administrative duties. But I think there's a burgeoning sector in the marketplace and at AdRed as well, where digital rights management isn't just managing rights and collecting money. It's advising on strategy. It's what to do with the rights, where to place the rights, where to sell the rights, et cetera, et cetera. So it's becoming a broader scope, in my view. You know, the phrase digital rights management can mean so much more than it has in the past. And I think 99% of most people's income is going to come from some digital stream or some digital service or platform. So yeah, just really knowing how to strategize for various platforms, I think it also sort of falls under the scope. So that's what we endeavor to help our clients with. Right. And, you know, you mentioned that YouTube is sort of one of your big focuses. I think personally, you know, from doing this for the last however many years, from the label perspective, that YouTube strategizing is actually kind of fun. It sounds weird, but it's it's actually fun because YouTube is kind of fun. Like the whole platform is interesting. And the idea of like, well, how do you engage more people or, you know, when's the best time to post content, you know, stuff like that. I don't know, maybe I'm just weird, but I like that. No, I'm absolute proponent of leveraging, you know, all the tools that YouTube offers artists and labels to help promote and create a real digital strategy on the platform. It's by far the most robust one to do so. And, And in my opinion, still really the only game in town where you can have rich media and audio and promote your fans and set up, you know, merch sales and ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera. It's really incredible what you can do. And, you know, certainly YouTube's taken a fair amount of heat from the music community over the years. But at the same time, they're really the market leader right now, in my opinion, in, in providing tools for musicians and labels to get the word out about their products. So it's, it's a wonderful platform. Yeah, that's totally true. So since I have you on the phone, what would you say, and it's the end of 2019, Mm. do you have any predictions? Like, what do you see coming down the pike for 2020? Well, certainly, I mean, we're going to continue to see a a rapid rise and application of fingerprint technologies across various platforms. And I think that we will, over the next, I don't don't have a crystal ball and I don't know how fast the platforms are going to move, but I think that there will be very similar systems, whether ad-supported or attribution and licensing-supported platforms for copyright owners and artists to protect and monetize works at scale on other platforms aside from YouTube. When those start to get unlocked and have appropriate systems in place to to do those things, it's going to be really exciting. So we're positioning ourselves accordingly and very bullish just on on the, again, just the application of audio fingerprints far and wide from the, you know, performance space to sync and, and everything in between neighboring rights, you name it. 
there's just so much music coming out these days that the only way to to do the work obviously is with automation and with audio recognition systems that can operate at scale. So, you know, that's, that's where we're looking towards the future. And there's just, there's been a tremendous amount of activity and action, some small raises, some new startups in this sort of e-commerce sync licensing space. So we're positioning ourselves for that accordingly as well. We do administer a tremendous amount of masters and publishing inside of YouTube. And a lot of our clients are quite bullish on that. So we've created some licensing solutions for e-commerce platforms to lean into that can interact with YouTube or other platforms that give you the ability to track, monetize, and release claims on works and things like that. So yeah, e-commerce and fingerprint are the are the two places. We have a couple really, really exciting new signings and partnerships that I'm not going to announce right now because we're going to do some press run in early 2020. But we're bringing in some really big channels into the AdRev multi-channel network framework on the music side, some very popular acts, as well as some real taste-making channels across the YouTube platform that we're really excited to dig into and offer some more strategy and promotional support to our existing client base by leveraging those partnerships. And it's it's going to be a really exciting year. I think we're starting to, not that we're pigeonholed in this, we are nerdy YouTube administrators and we're happy to be nerdy YouTube administrators. But with our knowledge base and the skill set and the tools we have and these new partnerships that we're signing, we're really excited about what we're going to be able to do for our clients in 2020 and beyond. So the, the scope is going to really increase. Very excited. Awesome. That's cool. Well, Noah Becker is the president of AdRev. Noah, thanks so much for being with me today on The Future of What? My pleasure. That was really painless and fun. Thanks for having me, Portia. Oh, 
sun rhymes to the sea ahead of stars that the seven parts of the shredded like lemongrass Set apart in the mad speed reader Fancy bleeder, the bad seed diva And speak ether, big up Einstein Write rhymes, the tree of life, I try time Why cry when you can love and laugh Put everything down and run a bubble bath Couples cast hand things change suddenly Wanting to play fate, hey ha, call me Amelie Amelie, watch me grow so deep up Please set your feet, don't drink to the teapot We watch as it all just goes by Rhetoric reads, please God don't die Oh my, I just did a 360 in my dream pixie Please someone pinch me Skin deep, I don't know, feel the pinprick Come along with a song you can sing with Stick with force between morbid dreams Call it keeps, corpse it screams for aubergine Or for me the law it leads to torn fatigue Talk is cheap or repeat to scorch the feed Of course it seems war is me when life's lost I am myself, yes I am my boss Why watch when you can make history? Didn't know what to do so I straight kissed to me Listerine, fresh breath, spit the zoo Witty booze, whatever kids don't twist the truth Split the group, tie, die, dialysis One man's wonderland, cry, dialysis My balance, appreciate all the beauty Love, truth, chaos, signed yours truly Macronormous, that's a chorus Drive your wireless and cans and portions Rap for reason and rap for causes Go so hot but the track of scorches Macronormous, that's a chorus Drive your wireless and cans and portions Rap for reason and rap for causes Go so hot but the track of scorches Macronormous, that's a chorus Drive your wireless and cans and portions Rap for reason and rap for causes Go so hot but the track of scorches Macronormous, that's a chorus Drive your wireless and cans and portions Rap for reason and rap for causes Go so hot but the track of scorches that was Scorch by Macromantics. You're listening to Future of What. After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. Also, check out our short podcast series about Bratmobile's potty mouth. It's called Girl Germs, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Molly Newman of Song Trust. Molly, welcome back to The Future of What. Thank you. I'm happy to be here in a new job. I mean, it's been a couple of years since I spoke with The Future of What yeah. when last time I was at Kickstarter, but yeah. Yeah, I think congratulations because this is the first time we've spoken to you as president. Very exciting. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you today because I just feel like we're really overrun right now with companies coming into the marketplace that have truly excellent tools for songwriters and artists to utilize. I really feel like we're sort of having this golden moment, Mm -hmm. which is great. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I want you to go ahead and give us an overview of what a songwriter can find if they sign up for SongTrust. Sure. SongTrust is a global music publishing administration platform that's available to anyone. So we have direct relationships with over 50 societies around the world, partnerships with all the digital services and access to what we think are, you know, the best terms available for our clients. And anyone can come to songtrust.com and click on the register button and it brings our offer to you. And it's something that's very simple and straightforward. It's $100 and 15% of the royalties that we collect on your behalf. And, you know, we have costs. We're a business, so we do need to support the entire enterprise. And so that's why we have the small fee. But if you're not already affiliated with a PRO, like ASCAP or BMI or SOCAN or IMRO in Ireland, we can help you do that so that you are collecting your full songwriting and publishing royalty picture. So when does somebody become a songwriter? I know people, and you, I know you do too, who are, you know, yeah. 25 years into a career and they're like, yes. am I a songwriter? I don't know. Right. And it's interesting because I think some people feel like they are more a songwriter than anything, even if they're, you know, very successful performers, that the craft of, you know, sitting down with their instrument or a pen and paper, pencil and paper, 
or computer, now notes on your phone, whatever, you know, whatever means you have to sort of document your ideas and melodies, you know, makes you a songwriter. But I think as people in bands maybe don't consider themselves to be songwriters as much as, you know, they consider themselves to be band members or or performers. So it's an interesting sort of self-definition. But when I took this job and I had to sort of check in with my career, having been mostly on the recorded side of music, you know, although I had worked for some digital services as well, but, you know, the bulk of my career had been sort of defined by me working at a label and doing artist management. I had to really check in with the fact that, you know, I started in a band, but started writing songs and started with my guitar in my room, coming up with riffs and thinking about melodies and rhythm. And that is what, you know, really was the core of my connection to music and how it manifested became my career, which was really not by design by any means in those early days. So it's pretty interesting. I think a lot of people now also, a lot of the work that we do at SongTrust is with producers who write beats and collaborate with other creators, especially in hip hop and rap. And because of that collaboration, in many cases, producers are compensated with some front-end fees, but also with a percentage of the songwriting royalties. And so we help many producers collect the royalties that they're earning as well. Awesome. You know, that's something I, I would want to get out there to people is that, you know, if you write a song and you release it, even if you don't think of yourself as like a big-time songwriter, or maybe you only think of yourself as a musician, you know, you do have royalties that are out there that are due to you. Yeah. And finding someone to help you collect those royalties is actually a really important part of your career. It's true. And it's also, it's changed, you know? I mean, I think when I was starting out in my band and, you know, releasing records and releasing records with Kill Rock Stars, the songwriting royalties, the mechanicals were wrapped into our deal. And so because we wrote almost all of our own songs, all of those royalties, we were able to say just, you know, in the agreement of the verbal or handshake or whatever it was, it was understood that those included the mechanicals earned on those albums. And with the expansion of digital and obviously the explosion of streaming and the dominance of streaming now, the infrastructure around mechanical payments has changed and the services directly allocate those and pay through to the publishing entity that represents those works and the performance rights organization that represents those works. And so most of us, you know, who wrote songs understood that we had to affiliate with the PRO at some point or another and, you know, add new songs to our catalog and, and all those things, but that we had to collect the publishing royalties and we had to have a, a publishing entity to directly collect from the organizations like Harry Fox and MRI and that there's all of these infrastructure barriers or inefficiencies in place that, that make it pretty hard to do it yourself properly in order to get the, the streaming mechanicals that you're earning on the publisher share from the services, it adds this, this layer of complexity and this layer of like, you know, if you're not a huge artist, really like, I don't know, is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Right. And so the question we ask, is it worth a hundred dollars? And we help you figure out if it is worth a hundred dollars and if, you know, what we can do with our global network and our team of rights management professionals and administration and copyright if we can help you earn everything that you're owed and access everything that you're owed, then it is worth it. You know, some people 
think about it, like they always want to make sure that even if they're not earning, they want to make sure that things are handled properly. And I love those kinds of people. Right. But we also want to be helping you, especially if you are earning, you know, significant royalties or even, you know, mid range significant royalties. Sure. They're yours. Yeah. And I really believe that it's important to empower people. And I think it's a pretty good deal. So you're basically buying the infrastructure of your business and the ability to manage a global business for $100. And I think that should seem like a good deal. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that you and the other companies that we're talking to today are doing, which I think is sort of a little more of a big picture thing rather than a specific thing, is you're doing education for artists and songwriters. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, right. because if someone talks to you into say like, hey, you really need to sign up with a PRO. Right. You can go ahead and do that, right. let's say, right? right? But if Song Trust says, okay, we're going to collect a whole bunch of these royalties that you don't understand. And then you sign up and then you start to learn. You know, it's like you start to see money coming in and then you have someone that you can get on the phone with and you can actually learn. I think that is so, it's totally like the teach a person to fish and they'll be able to feed themselves for life, you know? I like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's been really important to me because so many people who have had long careers in the industry. And these include people who are managers or who have labels or who are in some cases kind of work in publishing in a certain area who are like, it's just so complicated. I can't really wrap my head around it. And for many of those people, it just meant that that it wasn't worth the effort to try to find out and understand. Right. And also things have changed. Yes. You know, so things have changed and there's, you know, obviously the issues around songwriters specifically and publishing licensing and and all of the front and center hot topic issues around MMA and, you know, the appeal of the CRB rate setting for mechanical royalties. Like all of these things happened in the last two years as well. So there's more questions that are front and center being asked and answered within the media. And at the same time, with streaming's growth, and the, the stats that Spotify cites around, you know, the number of new songs added to their platform every day, the volume has just increased so tremendously. And there's so many new people who have access to the tools to make the music. The questions around what are they earning and how do they get them are front and center. So we're really trying to present things in a way that's digestible and you know, isn't volumes and volumes of material, but using some, I guess, quote unquote, modern techniques around, you know, infographics and charts and diagrams that are not really complicated, that try to break down the two copyrights, that try to break down the publishing royalties and the songwriter royalties and how those are calculated and attributed and how you access them around the world. That's been a big initiative. And I'm really proud of the fact that that has connected with a lot of people Because it isn't easy to do that, you know, but part of it is we have to teach ourselves so that we're speaking as clearly and plainly as possible so we don't get caught up in trying to over-explain some nuance of a German performance licensing rate or something. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that the business has changed, like times have changed because... You know, it used to be when I started in this business that there was pretty much one income source, which was, you know, recorded music. Right. You sold your, right. you know, you stores. made a CD, <laughs> stores sold it, and you made your, that was it. Like, that's how right. everybody made money. And so when, you know, in a scenario like that, 
any kind of publishing royalty that you might get that let's say is really small because let's say you're a you know an indie artist that doesn't get played on the radio in the US you know it might it'll be incidental money it seemed like incidental money but now all of the money seems like incidental money it's right. like a hundred revenue streams well if you want to make a career out of that you have to add them all together so yep. it's actually way more important to get a hold of those other streams of revenue Right. People come to us and they say, well, I can't, I can do this myself, right? What are you doing to earn that 15%? And it's absolutely true that you can do it yourself. It's just hard. Oh my God. And we, you know, there's even, (laughs) there's still work to be done when you become a Sanctus client. You have to make sure that your works are entered and, you know, we want to make sure that they're validated and there are no errors in the data that you're adding so that when we go around and register them around the world, that there aren't conflicts or errors. And so there is still a little bit of work to be done. And we're always trying to improve that experience for our new clients when they're coming in and adding their works. It's as smooth of an experience as possible, but it is like, you know, an hour's worth of perhaps work to to make sure that things are set up properly. And then it's pretty smooth sailing from there. But we do endeavor to make it as robust and comprehensive on the publishing side as possible and give you the service and access that you're entitled to that's equal to downtown music publishing or sub records publishing or any of the other clients that we have that might have, you know, a big brand name, but we are powering the administration for them just like we are for the single songwriter coming in from Nashville or Atlanta or Miami or wherever. Absolutely. Well, on that note, thank you for what you do, Miss Molly Newman, president of Song Trust. And thanks for being with me today on The Future of What? Thank you, Portia, for what you're doing and, you know, talking about these issues and anytime.
That was This Town Doesn't Have Enough Bars for Both of Us by Gospel Music. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Lung Leg, Macromantics, Gospel Music, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at thefutureofwhatshow.com and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Clark Buckner at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and is produced by Will Watts. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next week.